Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, and your host of The Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest this Monday afternoon is Sue Friedman, the president and CEO of the Alzheimer's Association in Central and Western Virginia. Sue Friedman, how are you today? I am very well, thank you. And probably very busy knowing you. Of course. (laughs) Yes. I said something to someone the other day. I put something on Twitter about June being the the big fundraising month uh, for Alzheimer's Association, but I made the point, however, one must fight to end Alzheimer's and and raise money and do research to end the Alzheimer's disease every day of every year. So as Sue knows, and, and many of my audience, my parents suffered from Alzheimer's, and I'm so glad I've met Sue because I've learned a lot more about the disease. And now whenever the opportunity presents itself, I'm very happy to talk with her on radio and help her in her work as president and CEO of the Alzheimer's Association. So enough of me. Sue Friedman, welcome to the show. Thank you. And how was June for the Alzheimer's Association? Well, June for the Alzheimer's Association was remarkably successful, especially when compared to last year's June Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month, um, both for the longest day and certainly for awareness raising. Um, So many opportunities arose. On June 21st, the Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's Association was uh, part of the Wall Street ringing of the bell ceremony. Oh, wonderful. Yes, yes. Which, you know, is quite uh, exciting and also very, very visible. And then in June here locally, we had opportunities to enjoy Trevinia, to enjoy Mudhouse to participate in an Alzheimer's caregivers workshop for African-American caregivers. Mm. And uh, that was co-sponsored with the uh, AKA sorority, and we greatly appreciate our three-year partnership with them around education and awareness. And here in Central and Western Virginia, we had 20 longest day teams. What is the longest day for the Alzheimer's Association? Well, it is summer solstice. Exactly. It is the official 
longest day of the year. Yes. And so the date changes. This year it was June 20th, Monday. And it is an opportunity to honor those who are dealing with Alzheimer's disease, whether mm -hmm. they're a caregiver, a medical professional, or an individual with a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so what we say for the longest day is do what you love. Yes. So it gives anyone anywhere the opportunity to grab their friends, coworkers, family, and uh, figure out what you want to do as a group and then to do it in whatever location you're in. We had teams that rode bicycles for the day and mm -hmm. some were in Oregon and some were in Maine and some were in Florida. They were all over. And so it's, it's an opportunity to do something for the 16 hours of the longest day. Yes. We love to say, though, there's no longest day police. So if doing something on June 20th didn't work for you, do something else. And Mike Krantz was riding his bicycle out in the western United States earlier in June, but he did that as his longest day event. And of course, our wonderful Jefferson Bridge Association team played bridge literally 16 <laughs> hours a day on June 22nd. So the beauty of the longest day is it gives people the opportunity, number one, to do what they want. Walk to End Alzheimer's is a walk. Yes, yes. And it is our premier number one fundraising event across the country. <laughs> but not everyone is available, and not everyone really is that excited about a walk. They might be more excited about bowling or crafting mm -hmm. or whatever, hula hooping. I mean, <laughs> the sky's the limit on the longest day. Yes. Uh, tubing, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. <clears throat> you know... You mentioned early on that you, you had met with or worked with the caregivers, African-American African caregivers. And I know you and I have talked about the stress and strain uh, on caregivers and families. Alzheimer's is, uh, is not a disease that is a solo. And families and friends are affected by it. And uh, the statistic I think you've shared with me in the past is that many caregivers... Did you did you say die from the stress? Am I over? Remember? Well, I, I, one in three caregivers will predecease their loved one or friend for whom they are caring. Wow. Yes, I mean, and that statistic has remained pretty stable, unfortunately, for the nine years I've been with the association. And again, it's so many things. It's the emotional stress. It's the physical stress mm. and challenge. It's the financial stress. I mean, this year in our Alzheimer's Association Facts and Figures, we highlighted the personal costs yes. of Alzheimer's and dementia. And I have to tell you, it brought tears to my eyes yes. to see that nearly a quarter of the people in this 2,000-person survey said there are times when they forego a meal because it gives them the opportunity to save that money and save that food for their loved one. You know, it's 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 so challenging. I whenever we talk about this, I I realize how blessed and fortunate I was. First of all, I felt because I'd been lived in New York for so many years when I it was discovered my both my parents suffered from Alzheimer's. I came back thinking, you know, it would be a simple solution to put together 
and then go back to New York. And, and 12 years later, I was there. And the good news about that is I hadn't seen my parents often because I was living in New York. And this gave me an opportunity th through the entire process because when I returned, they they were certainly, something had changed, but they were able to communicate for quite some time. And even though it's painful to watch that slowly diminish and disappear finally, and then ultimately end with death, it, it still was an opportunity to be a caregiver. But when you uh -huh. tell me about the one in three dying before the the person they're taking care of, um, I guess I was... Anyway, wh what... Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you. Is there any difference in, in this uh, evaluation of one in three caregivers over an economic or racial or social uh, impact? Is there... Is there a, a, a different uh, outcome? Is it more or less of different people? The statistic holds pretty steady given the resources an individual has. And those resources, though, are about do you have a team? Yeah. Do you have people who can support you? Yes. So it really doesn't um, correlate with economics at all because, mm -hmm. you know, someone who has a very nice income but isn't a millionaire may have a church group that, it adopts them uh -huh. and uh -huh. becomes their team. And so um, it really, it does not seem to change that statistic based on education or economic level. It's on how each individual caregiver structures their team or lack of a team. Well, I have to say, I, I, I certainly can relate to that because uh, as things went on, I mean, initially it was, it was my brother and me, and then... Um, you know, then we, I would hire a caregiver, and ultimately, in the last, uh, oh, I guess the last five years, there was a team. There were a team that lived there 24/7, and uh -huh. um, uh, and of course, there are facilities that are, are certainly good. One has to do what they can do. But how soon is the um, the walk this this year? The 2016, the walk to end Alzheimer's. It's coming up pretty soon, isn't it? It is October 8th. And so uh, I know I've already registered my uh -huh. team. And so we encourage everyone to go out and register their team. And as they're out and about doing their summer activities, to make sure they invite all their friends and family to support them yes. and their team. But October 8th, and we will be starting this year and ending at the Albemarle County Office Building parking oh, yes. lot. They're on McIntyre. We kind of outgrew Lee Park. Yes. <laughs> Which is a wonderful thing. So yes. we will be back in the Albemarle County parking lot area. We're very appreciative of Albemarle County uh, allowing us to uh, utilize that parking lot. And so we're looking forward to October 8th. And we can rest assured that it is not a football weekend, so nobody yeah. needs to be concerned <laughs> about missing a football game in order to join us for the walk. Yes, and October is a great month to walk in. I mean, it really is. Tell oh, me, we agree 100%. What's, uh, what's the route you have in mind? Is it set every year the same? or? Um, we'll be going similar along the Jefferson Market Street area and then down to the pavilion and back through the mall. Very good. So it's a similar route, definitely. Okay. Is, a, is Walk for the End of Alzheimer's a fundraising event in other areas, or is this particularly uh, associated with the Central and Western Virginia chapter that you're the president of? Well, 
know, walk the end Alzheimer's is again like the longest day in that it's uh, everywhere across the country. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm and so there are literally hundreds and hundreds of walks. In fact, several years ago, before you and I started doing this wonderful um, show, mm-hmm. we had a family join us from Upper Maryland. And the reason they joined us is they looked around the country for a walk that was being held on their dear departed mother's birthday. Ah. And the family came to our walk in Greater Augusta. Wow. Wow. And walked with us because they wanted to participate in a walk to end Alzheimer's on her birthday. So that's kind of a a novel way to look at the fact that there are lots of walks in lots of places. That's that's really is. And we talk about, or you talk about mostly, you're always reminding me, I often think of the necessity to fundraise, you know, for research, because we're not going to get a cure just sitting around waiting for it. We need the scientific research. But one point that you always make is, it's not just fundraising, it's making people aware. And I'm astounded in the past of how... I had to explain to family members what this was. And, and for instance, my, my youngest uncle talking loudly to my dad, and I turned to him finally and say, he's not deaf, he has Alzheimer's, but he's, he can yeah. hear, you know, and things like that. But when we did, you invited me. I'm very thankful still about this, and, and I remember it so well. It was the, uh, the showing of Glenn Camel's I'll Be Me, and and it was a candid, gut-wrenching and inspiring, revealing uh, documentary made by the family of Ken Camel watching his progress. And I was uh, asked by you to be one of the panel members to discuss it. And all of this to get back to talking to you about awareness. We were at the Paramount Theater. And I can remember a few years ago, we wouldn't have had half as many people there or in my experience oh my in goodness, no. yeah but it was it was almost a capacity and they came at all ages trying to find out and i, I think that's such such a tribute to the area but also to the work that you and your team to make people know you you can't deny it i mean it's here now we need to try and do something about it and and of course, donating money for scientific research is one of those things, but becoming aware is so important. So how do people find out? Uh, is the best way through uh, DVDs that are available? I know I've seen a few that you've recommended. Uh, is it coming to panels or to events like uh, Walk to End Alzheimer's October 8th or all the above? Uh, obviously, we're going to say coming to events, but before October 8th, If you visit ALZ.org, you will, number one, get lots of information and education, and then number two, see a lot of resources that you can use or you can share with friends and family who may need them. And then also at ALZ.org, you'll see a list of events and activities, and when we're having a research update or a workshop or a program that's of interest, people join us and, uh, you know, take advantage of uh, learning that information. And finally, figuring out how each and every listener, how they can be involved in the fight. Mm -hmm. 
and walking to end Alzheimer's may be the way to be involved. Signing up to be one of our community speakers mm-hmm. may be a way. Um, participating in a, a, our advocacy outreach program where we want to make sure that our U.S. senators and our U.S. congressmen as well as our Virginia delegates and our Virginia senators yes. are aware of uh, Alzheimer's and dementia impact and what we can do um, to address that through regulatory and legislative opportunities. And so there is any number of ways that people can be involved. You can volunteer. Mm-hmm. We have volunteers in the office. We have volunteers who help us with uh, the many, many health fairs and community fairs that we want to be present at, but of course don't have all the staff to make those things happen. Mm-hmm. So there's just all kinds of ways for people to be involved. And uh, I think that um, I would encourage everyone to think about what they can do to be involved. And and I'm going to give a shout out to you because Mm. you make your um, radio show an opportunity for us to share information, which is so critically important uh, in in increasing concern for the disease and awareness about the Alzheimer's Association. As we know, Bill Howard, when his dad was diagnosed, said, I do believe I love golf and I can get people to play golf with me. Okay, yes. And uh, Kendra Scott um, has said a number of times, the lovely jewelry store at Stonefield, We'd like to invite people in to not only look at our wonderful products, but to give a percentage of all the sales that day to the Alzheimer's Association. That's what we can do. Marvelous. See, everybody can do something, but the first step is to become aware. And it's yeah. and the necessity of becoming aware is, is it 5 million uh, Americans uh, who are living with Alzheimer's as we speak? Is that the correct number? million and unfortunately every 66 seconds a new American hears the diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. We've become much better at diagnosing and and, uh, seeing Alzheimer's earlier. Mm -hmm. So we're hearing more and more people being diagnosed earlier and therefore they of course are living with the disease longer and longer. But the prevalence is only going to grow because, as you and I know, Martello, and we're, we're happy to mm. live longer. Yes. Him and I know you are. Yes. But the single greatest risk factor for Alzheimer's disease is aging. Yes. So if you plan on living into your 70s and 80s and 90s, the uh, risk for Alzheimer's grows year by year. And I, I will throw in, we'll be going to break in a moment, but uh, as you always have said to me, a healthy body, healthy brain. I'll throw in a healthy diet as well. You know, what we eat, what we drink, when we eat and drink it, getting that exercise. And again, as you told me, don't do the same exercise all the time because your brain just goes on automatic pilot. You want to keep the brain clicking, those electrons bouncing around saying, oh, this is new. Even when I run through the pool, as you know, it's one of my exercises. I change direction. I get up and walk around. I read the signs. All of this I learned from Sue Friedman, our guest today who is the president and CEO of the Alzheimer's Association in Central and Western Virginia. 
We are going to take a break now, but we'll be right back. There is some wonderful news, and um, we want to share that. So don't go away. And you know what? Um, we'll repeat it again. But, um, uh, Sue, if you don't mind, could you give us that hotline number now, the way people can oh, call? Oh, most definitely. We uh, want everyone to know about the 1-800-272-3900 phone number, which is us, the Alzheimer's Association there, every minute of every single day. Excellent. All right, we'll be right back with Sue Friedman. Stay with us. You won't want to miss this second half, I assure you. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. One of the best films of 2015 was seen in theaters by almost no one. Perhaps that's because its subject matter sounds just too troubling. So let's get that part over with. The central character of the diary of a teenage girl is Minnie, the young daughter of a divorced mother. Minnie is coming of age in San Francisco's permissive 1970s. Oh, and this 15-year-old is having her first sexual relationship with her mother's boyfriend. This may sound like a cesspool to be avoided, but don't. Though Diary does have its horrifying moments, it skillfully skirts the central controversy and ushers us into the mind and life of a nescient woman. But permissive parenting sends her on a journey through a rapacious world poised to devour vulnerable innocence at every opportunity. Minnie's experiences could either destroy her or create an inner strength with a foundation of earned survival. We long for the latter. Women say that Diary is a coming-of-age film that finally gets it right. Some men are too uncomfortable to see it, but perhaps they should. The Diary of a Teenage Girl. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. Uh, to remind you, my guest today is Sue Friedman, the president and CEO of the Alzheimer's Association in Central and Western Virginia. We have been talking about the Walk to End Alzheimer's, which is coming up on October 8th. June has been a very successful and promising fundraising month. But most of all, uh, we've been pushing our, the awareness, be people becoming aware as the audience at the Piedmont Theater not terribly long ago, to which uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be invited to be a member of a four-person panel, including Sue Friedman and Dr. Was Carol that? Manning. Ca Carol Manning, yes. And it was good to have that panel because it came from different points of view. There was a, a, the author, David, and I can't remember his last name, who wrote a book about it. Family did better at a facility. Yeah. Yes. Whereas doctors had told me, and I discovered and, and was fortunate enough to be able to do this, keeping my parents at home with a familiarity around them uh, and made things last a lot longer. But let's jump right into what is a recent reminder of another challenge, and that is like Coach Summit, uh, get Alzheimer's at an earlier than usual age. Yes. Early onset, yes, Early we onset. do. Yes. Yeah, uh, and um, that is that reflects about ten percent of all Alzheimer's diagnoses. But what's particularly startling?
interesting about it is that it's people who are have children at home who are working full time who who are in no way near a retirement phase of their life and so it becomes much more visible and much more the public is very interested in yes. early stage Alzheimer's as we can see from um response to Pat Summit's passing in five five short years. Yes. So um, early onset is, again, at the minority, the, if you will, traditional Alzheimer's is um, the disease that comes on during the aging brain process. But early onset is a, is a genetic, not hereditary, but a genetic difference mm-hmm. that causes the symptoms to appear much younger than would normally be seen in an aging brain. Is this still, uh, for either kind of uh, Alzheimer's, is this still more prevalent with women than men? Am I remembering? Yes, uh-huh. yes, it is. And we used to initially, I should say, believe that that was because more women live longer to longer ages uh-huh. than men. But now that we have accounted for the uh, lifespan issue, there are still more women who are being um, impacted by Alzheimer's disease, both as the individual with the disease and as the individual who does the caregiving. Hmm. You know, clearly my, my father and mother kind of changed. The disease ran at different tempi for both of them. And to watch this side by side, even within a day, uh, there could be movement forward, movement back, uh, gains of memory, loss, uh, and, and never quite in sync until very late in the process. Is that, first of all, is it common to have both parents have Alzheimer's? And secondly, when they do, are you, it's important, I guess, for us to remember every person with Alzheimer's is not necessarily like the other person. Well, I'm going to uh, remark on the last comment first. Absolutely. Alzheimer's Im- impacts each person very differently. Yes. Now, the kinds of things that maybe are lost in terms of memories and judgment would be the same for the disease progression. But because our brains and our memories mm. and our capacity uh, is so different human to human, that yes. the disease is going to appear symptomatically different person to person. And secondly, it is not uncommon, but it's not common Uh to have both parents with Alzheimer's. Um, It it is, I would think, extremely challenging for families. Just, I can't even imagine. We know families that are challenged to the the nth degree with one parent um, dealing with Alzheimer's, but when you have both parents that are traveling this disease process, um, caregiver stress would be more than double. There'd be no question. Yes, I can attest to that. I would like to throw out, though, a positive note about it. I had to, and one of the reasons I, I try to talk with Sue Friedman as much on radio and anywhere else I can, I learned more after my parents 
died uh, or as they were dealing or living with Alzheimer's than I knew going into it. And when you can approach someone like Sue Friedman and her team at the Alzheimer's Association and learn ahead of time, that's what, again, I'm, I'm just hammering that awareness today. Yes. You know, because there were things I learned, and one good thing was that even though it was both parents, and that, of course, brought with it its, its own terrors for me, but yet you could see uh, how each would struggle a little differently each day than in his sundowners. But, but the good news, one thing I wanted to point out is, fortunately, my parents have been married so long, they had so much life in common, and even though they couldn't remember everything, I remembered most things, and one of the things they loved was music, particularly uh, uh, big band music and shows like Jack Benny and Abbott and Costello, and I got CDs of old band music and Abbott and Costello and Bing Crosby and so forth, and I would play them, and my parents would come back. Now, they would laugh, they would clap, they would sing along, and only because I knew them, I knew they weren't quite all the way back. Then you turn off the CD and all that goes away. But at least there was something I knew I could do. Tell us about that. What? How do we find these things, especially if we can find them out before we're dealing with it, Sue? Well, the key is really to know, as you did, to know what it is that is of uh, enjoyment and value to your loved one. So and a great example is someone who was a contractor. When he developed Alzheimer's, he no longer could be a contractor. But with um, some supervision and some adaptation and tools, he could make lovely birdhouses. Ah, wow. So thinking about where the person's interests have been, certainly if their interest is around music, enjoying musical events, um, you know, there's... There are things in, um, I didn't realize until recently, that there's a a group in Charlottesville that has Thursday noon concerts in churches. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, those, so be on the lookout for ways you may not go to the Paramount to a nice, big, formal, official musical event anymore that may not be Mm -hmm. in the best interest of your loved one with Alzheimer's. It may be too many people. Mm-hmm. It may be anxiety-provoking. They may say or do something that doesn't fit in mm-hmm. with that, um, you know, venue. But to scale things down, you know, and this is, too, what we say about uh, family traditions. Yes. The family reunion or the Thanksgiving oh, yes. dinner. Yes. Continue, mm. but think about a smaller role or a smaller requirement, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, expectation for your loved one dealing with Alzheimer's. Um, but uh, to come full circle, um, what it is that your loved one loves now, I'll give you an example. My mother is a knitting fanatic, mm-hmm. loves knitting, knitting, mm-hmm. knitting, knitting. And if the disease were to ever cross or pass, knitting might no longer be mm. uh, possible but she likes yarn Ah. so enjoying yarn talking about yarn rolling yarn into balls Mm -hmm. unrolling it i mean things can be different and i'll tell you one of the most fascinating examples i saw in someone's home a woman loved 
house cleaning. Very mm. rare woman in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She loved house cleaning. She enjoyed the result of house cleaning. Mm-hmm. And she particularly liked clean windows. Mm. And so a bottle of Windex and a lovely soft cloth mm-hmm. were left in the bathroom by the big mirror. Yes. And she would enjoy doing that for many minutes. Wow. Now, you and I would think that that was somewhat cruel and unusual punishment to mm. be cleaning a window for minutes. But mm. again, not only do we pay attention to what our loved one enjoys, but we have to realize that in their shoes, yes. doing something over and over can be quite relaxing yes. and quite enjoyable. Yes, yes. I, I, I can certainly relate to that. No, I, I saw examples of that. Let's, let's, because uh, I don't want us to miss this. Uh, there is at least potentially good news uh, on the federal level. We've, I know you fought the long, hard battles. I know I've made calls about this to congressmen, etc. And um, uh, I actually was told on radio uh, with with one of your your team members, also one of the guests, by a congressman who said, oh, well, we um, the good news is we didn't cut the Alzheimer's uh, uh, budget, uh, you know. Uh, and, I, and I said to him, well, if you didn't cut it, that's great, but with rate of inflation, you cut it. <laughs> but that aside, what has Congress done for you lately? Well, let's go back to 2012 when the Blue Ribbon uh-huh. National Medical Scientific Panel Yes recommended to the National Institutes of Health and to the Health and Human Services Cabinet Secretary and to Congress that it would take $2 billion, that's billion with a B, yes. per year for 10 years to have the cure, treatment, and prevention that we say we want by 2025. And right now, uh, after the very generous expansion of the Alzheimer's research budget um, earlier this year and late last year, we were at about $936 million, with an M, dollars of research money. So we have this Blue Ribbon panel giving their guidance that Congress and the White House said they wanted and that they would abide by. So, yes. We do need to see that budget increase. It should double immediately, but it is steadily increasing. You know, last year we were the only disease area that received new research money. Mm. And so this year, once again, the uh, Senate committee has put forward $400 million in increased funding. And they have passed it through committee. And now the House has put through $350 million, which is exactly what we received this previous year, uh-huh. in new money um, directed to the NIH. So we are very encouraged and um, working very hard to see that at least one of those, if not um, a compromise between those two, um, comes to fruition in the very, very near future. And, you know, we should say to everyone, I'm not trying to be flippant, but Alzheimer's is a bipartisan issue, uh, both in the champions, uh, Chairman Roy Blunt, who's a Republican, and ranking member uh, Patty Murray, who's a Democrat. But when I say bipartisan, I'm speaking of the entire uh, spectrum of American citizens. It doesn't care what color you are, and in some cases not how old or how young you are. It doesn't care about how much money you make or who you know, the size of your family, 
Alzheimer's is here and we need to do all we can to help uh, Sue Friedman and her team at the Alzheimer's Association in Central and Western Virginia end this. So what can we do? We've, we've talked about a lot of things, but let's uh, let's talk about Dr. George Barker for a bit. Uh, uh, I hope I'm remembering his name correctly. He received um, a grant last year. Uh, uh, Dr. George Bloom. Bloom, yes. yes. I'm thinking about the, the, the uh, state senator that also was on the show around that time. Dr. Bloom. And he was working on a cellular theory? Yes, he has been looking at one of the two predominant um, issues uh, around Alzheimer's, tau uh -huh. and the tau tangle. Yes. And uh, this new research connection is around how diabetes and insulin resistance may play a role in Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh. And so, you know, that's one of the things that has become more and more um, of interest to the research community is what is happening around insulin resistance and diabetes that may be causing the tau tangles and the beta amyloid plaques to be renegades and mm. run amok in the brain. So tell us a comment, if you will, about diet, exercise, healthy heart, healthy brain, vice versa. Yes. One of the key ways and the one way that has been research proven, there's evidence proof behind it, is that you must exercise. Yes. You must exercise. We're not saying that you need to be the triathlete. The study that ended uh, up putting the um, final approval touches on exercise as being evidence-based to delay Alzheimer's disease was done out in the Midwest, I'm believing Missouri, but mm. it was walking about 40 minutes three times a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, we're not saying you must exercise every day or you must do this kind of exercise or that kind of exercise, but uh, engaging in regular cardiovascular exercise that elevates the heart rate and increases the blood flow. Yes can delay the risk of cognitive decline. So exercise, exercise, exercise. And the other area that I think is growing and will soon be um, proven by research, but it's certainly evidence in the form, is diet. Yes. Following that Mediterranean diet or the DASH, you know, the low blood pressure diet. Yes. And I'm beginning to see things in the grocery stores now yes. that are labeled as good for the DASH diet. I know, I've seen that too. It's excellent. Yeah. Again, we're back to so, awareness. People are taking it seriously. Well, absolutely. You know, we've uh, advocated that maybe there could be food items that have a brain on it. And yeah. that way, we, you know, we have hearts. Yes. Let's put a brain on things so yes. we know they're brain healthy. But we need more research proof to back that up. But things that we know are good for the brain, socializing. You and I have talked about this. You yes. know, we call it buddying up staying socially engaged so with it when you're walking your different challenging route do it with someone uh, and socialize yes because when the brain has to talk and walk and keep its balance all at the same time it's working yes and of course stump yourself 
challenge your mind, build a piece of furniture. Yes. Play games of strategy like bridge. Mm. You know, uh, learning things new. If you haven't been to an Ollie class, uh, the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, um, you know, take advantage of that. Um, learn a language. Um, learn how to swing dance. You know, mm -hmm. both stumping yourself and learning new things are critically important. Of course, take care of your mental health. Do not smoke cigarettes, mm -hmm. period. Yes. Heart healthy is brain healthy. So all of those things that we look at for a healthy heart are important for the brain. And you know, and a couple of things that have come up that are relatively new, head injury. Mm -hmm. Brain injury can raise the risk of cognitive decline and dementia. So wear your seatbelt, wear a helmet mm. when you're on a bicycle yes. or a motorcycle, and uh, be mindful that if indeed you do have a brain injury, have that checked out. Have a medical investigation into that because mm -hmm. more and more, as we've seen from our military veterans, and from our boxers yes, and yes. our NFL players. Yes, yes. Head injury is becoming a risk. And then finally, and this one uh, surprised me when it was uh, part of the 10 Ways to Love Your Brain, which is now a year old. Mm -hmm. It's uh, sleep. Oh, yes, Getting yes. Getting enough sleep and the right kinds of deep sleep. Yes. So very fascinating. But again, the 10 Ways to Love Your Brain, it's a wonderful flyer. It's front and center on our website, and I know it's going to be available through you. And uh, yes. these are things that um, we can do to reduce our risk and delay the onset of Alzheimer's until we find the prevention. That's right. Now... Uh, we need to go. It's been tremendous. Let's give the website again, the hotline, and uh, any other contact information where we can find out more, where we can donate, and become as well as becoming more aware. Absolutely. The website is very easy. We don't make you spell Alzheimer's. It's just <laughs> A-L-Z, as in AppleLionZoo.org, and that toll-free number, and really, Martello, you know this. Yes. People need to use it. If something happens on a Saturday night and you are ready to walk out of the house because mm. the caregiving stress has just reached your roots of your hair, mm. you can call 800-272-3900. And we can get you through that immediate need and then also make certain you are aware of the Alzheimer's Association and the ways we can support you and your family thereon. Do you have, uh, uh, I know you do events, obviously, but uh, do you have classes or uh, pamphlets? Or get, can someone, in a, uh, when it's not an immediate emergency, is there a way to reach out and say, to give my dad as an example, okay, he's um, he's opening the door and, and not the caregiver can't always be there, right? If you know, and I came up with the idea. I had to myself put a lock at the top of the door. Do you have sort of pragmatic, practical solutions if someone calls up and say you know someone has alzheimer's in the family and they're starting to do this this and this what is, what can you do for them absolutely the website 
Wine has it all, but we also have, there are more than 200 pieces of, of literature that the mm. Alzheimer's Association has, many of them in Spanish and in English. Mm. And so they're here at the office. They're also available at ALZ.org. Across the top at ALZ.org mm. is Living with Alzheimer's. There's a research tab, and there's also one um, for caregivers, and actually a caregiver center. Excellent. Well, my main thing is to say, and we'll give Sue the last word, but mine is to say all the things you've heard today as she's taught me, she taught me after the fact because I didn't meet her until after the fact. So my main thing is become aware and uh, and act on that awareness, support it financially, but also don't sit in the corner and don't try to do it alone. Get a team. Sue, what are your... generation uh, that lived through the depression in World War II, yes. this generation is really um, learned and lived their life uh, taking care of yourself, yes. not asking for help, mm. and it's certainly not, um, you know, reaching out when there's a problem. Yes. You keep that inside, you take care of it inside. Alzheimer's is one disease that is not going to allow you to do that. Yes. If you want to be a healthy, capable caregiver, that's the key. Okay. All right, then. On that, we're wishing Sue Friedman and the Alzheimer's Association of Central and West Virginia and throughout the country all the very best all those who are at NIH and in Congress, potentially, trying to uh, provide the funding and the research to end the Alzheimer's disease. We've got to do our part as well. 5.4 million Americans have Alzheimer's, and no one can just rest on their laurels thinking, it won't get me. Okay. Thank you so much, Sue Friedman, President and CEO of the Alzheimer's Association in Central and Western Virginia, for being on the show. You know I'm always here for you guys, as you are always here for all of us, trying to keep us aware and to find a cure. Thank you. And remember, by the way, October 8th, Walk to End Alzheimer's. Anything else, Sue? I just want to say once again, thank you for being one of the best advocates we have. Well, it's my... You are raising awareness to a degree that is really valuable. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. All the best now. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Some special indie films are small. They take a little slice of life and explore that subject through a unique lens. And that is certainly the case with today's delightful selection. Written, directed, and acted by John Turturro, who snagged Woody Allen in his cast, Fading Gigolo explores the world of two simple New York booksellers confronted with a problem. Their bookshop is closing. What are they going to do? Well, suggests Marie, Woody Allen, why doesn't Fiera Fante Turturro become a gigolo, bring happiness to beautiful, lonely women like Sharon Stone and Sofia Vergara, and share the proceeds with Murray the Procurer? But the real reason Fading Gigolo works so well is its subtly beating heart. 
Sex is the catalyst. But the surprising success of this odd couple comes from Fioravante's intuitive ability to provide comfort to deep emotional need. Much more powerful than the quick fade of a casual diddle. Yes, Fading Gigolo is a small film. But as we all know, size doesn't matter. Indie veteran Totoro has undertaken a salacious premise and nurtured heartfelt sensitivity. Fading Gigolo. No longer in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us in becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Voter ID, MIA Surgeon General, Ebola Panic. Ebola is not worthy of our national panic button. However, NRA-dominated congressional conservatives blocking the nomination of Dr. Vivek Murthy as Surgeon General is grounds for alarm over low voter turnout in 2014. In America, Ebola has killed one man and wounded two nurses. But if we must panic, Alzheimer's, brain-robbing millions, is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. Police shoot and kill more than Ebola, as do drunk drivers, texting teens, domestic violence, and airline crashes. But if panic is to be our new American pastime, on November 4th, vote for leaders who deactivate hyperlink between high school dropouts and privatized prisons. Vote knowing it was the board of a for-profit private hospital that voted no admittance for Thomas Duncan if we must panic. Choose more rational targets like the oxidation of our brains by the greed of pharmaceutical pill-pushing companies that bombard reason with so much overstated and questionable advertising, we are Ebola distracted from what is really killing us. For example, sugar and diabetes, a K Street Alec judiciously handicapping the elderly, university students, minorities, and our electoral system with voter ID laws. Obesity and malnutrition, failing to honor the physically and mentally wounded veteran with affordable health care as much as we memorialize war dead with monuments. Filibuster, congressional gridlock, a government shutdown, and a five to four politicized Supreme Court. Sequestration, gouging NIH budget to find cures for disease. Ignorance of the facts and being too lazy to research for the truth. All forms of discrimination, prejudice, bias against those who look, think, preach, act, or marry differently than we. And finally, food corporations with advertising so bottom line oriented, we are addicted to the very things that kill everything except our panic. Arguably, the aforementioned is corporatism's defining moment, and we define ourselves by how we allow corporate America to transform our eating, drinking, and election habits. Thus, we get the government we fail to vote for by leaving the choices to those who do. We get the government we are too issue misinformed about to cast justice for all ballots. We get the government we settle for because flag-waving and repeating Americans this slogans and family values that cliches are easier than committing daily acts of random constitutional spirit toward one another. Voting 
like driving, loving, hating, and panicking are choices and or privileges, but not rights. Rights are what's guaranteed us in our U.S. Constitution. Unless we the people allow, through our inaction, our ignorance of history's revisionists, our knowledge of the dangers of redistricting, or just blissfully succumbing to the redirection of misinformation, settle for being subjugated by the repetitious re-election of supremist-oriented conservatives, addicted to corporate money and political power, by the way, then on November 4th, 2014, we will honor those hungry, underpaid and often shoeless original Americans who fought against tyranny even before there was an America. And we accomplish this by voting and helping others to vote, especially the elderly and college-age students. Then truly we will be the home of the brave and not the panicked. Let's strike a ballot blow for rational thought against media hype and defeat both political and Wall Street Madison Avenue corporate commercials that both brainwash and brain damage before we're all brain dead. With each vote, we can denounce the revolting, revolving door from Congress to corporatism's rewards. Let's not diminish ourselves with the irrelevance of right direction poll questions. Instead, let's renounce panic, let go of hype, and vote ourselves forward into fixing fixed voting machines, attending to our neglected infrastructure, sharing both affordable health care and voting privileges with truth and justice for all Americans. Now please visit the reasonablevoice.com website and listen to the episode of Charlottesville this week entitled Ebola Facts Cancel Panic. You might also want to stop by our Blog Talk Radio podcasts for Alzheimer's kills more Americans than Ebola. Either way, join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.